0: Welcome to Slumber Party Cinema Club, a podcast for the movies that you've seen a thousand times and the silly and serious conversations they start. I'm your host, Kate. I'm your other host, Katie. And uh, we are so excited! This is our fiftieth episode. We it, it took us a year and a half, but we made it to fifty episodes.
1: I think that's pretty good. You know, some people some people just quit when they have a podcast and they don't become instantly famous.
0: Hey, you know, we don't let seven average viewers per episode keep us down. We're we're making it work.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, for a hobby, whatever. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're not getting paid. We don't care. We'll care later. We'll care later when we might start making money. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever make money, but it's just fun to have this time. I don't know, Katie. I was thinking about the past 49 episodes and, you know, kind of thinking also in conjunction with the fact it is a new year. We just kicked off 2024 earlier this week. You know, and, and just sort of like taking stock of where things are and what 2023 was and and where we're going. And I'm just like, you know, I really appreciate having this hour to just like talk with you about movies first and foremost on the podcast, but then just
1: whatever else comes up. And I think that that's, that's for me, the power of the pod. Yeah, I think so too. I, I always enjoy talking with you. And I think that for all our similarities, there are some cool differences between us. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to always hear a different point of view.
0: Yeah, because I don't think we've watched or discussed a movie yet that like we both vehemently disagree whether it's a good
1: movie or not. Or one of us absolutely hates a movie. There are very few movies
0: that I can sit back and be like, I absolutely hate that movie.
1: Yeah, I think I remember we did our episode earlier this year on um, Notting Hill. I think we both agreed that we didn't love it.
0: It's 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 important. I think mm-hmm. you enjoy watching it is different than just recognizing it's an important movie to the fabric of rom coms in the nineties. Yeah.
1: What was so? I'm pulling up some stats here for our listeners that dictated, you know, what was the most popular and the least popular episodes that we've created. But Kate, what was your like favorite episode that you can remember that we've done?
0: Mm. well I really enjoyed doing the one with my sister no offense you weren't there but (laughs) (laughs) offense the first the first episode I'm gonna say is the one you weren't on no uh...
1: (laughs) no that's fair
0: no I, I really enjoyed uh talking about Lindsay Lohan's double feature of Freaky Friday and uh Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen with my sister um that brought a lot of thoughts and and just memories which was fun I think I also really enjoyed. I remember walking away from the when Harry Met Sally episode feeling really good, feeling like that was what we wanted the podcast to be.
1: Because we mm-hmm. really
0: dove deep into that, um, that film and and how it reflects in life and how it reflects life. And yeah. So I think that, that that's also a top favorite. But I know I think one of our, our top most like most listened to episodes, um, well, our guest episodes always do well, but I think the one when we had uh, our buddy Nick on talking about Jurassic Park was up there. And then we also had Angela talking about Love Actually.
1: Yeah, so I was going to say one of my, I think my favorite episode that we've done is uh, the Jurassic Park episode with Nick. That was such a fun time. Um, You know, and it's fun to talk about the movie and learn. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, if I sound a little weird guys I'm getting over sickness I got a sinus infection the first day of the year so I'm feeling a little better but still sounding a little weird and a little nasally.
0: you Um, sound fine to me
1: thanks I'm just in my uh I was gonna say that's I'm just in my uh what's her name Kathleen Turner era (laughs) there was one
0: year I ushered in the new year being very sick and uh having a party anyway, because it was before the pandemic and we were all horrible people back then, uh, who didn't mind getting other people sick, but I had a party and I remember I sounded like a combination of Suzanne Plachette and Harvey (laughs) Firestein, And I ended up carrying that with me for about three weeks into the new year. So I think you're doing just fine.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Um, so like our, so According to our listeners, our most popular episodes, and I'm going to cut out actually the first two and name those as outliers because I feel like in the world of podcast and based on the numbers that I'm looking at, if you, you know, someone might find the podcast and say like, I'm going to start at the first episode and start listening. And they listen to like maybe the first two and then decide either, fuck, this is terrible Or like, oh, I'm just going to listen to, like, the movies I like, you know, or some weird Mm -hmm. combination of whatever, since this isn't really a chronological podcast. Our very first episode is technically our most popular, in which we did 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm -hmm. We worked Um, one while watching the movie, too. Yeah, that was a different thing we tried, and it was fun, but maybe not exactly what we wanted it to be. Um. And then the second episode we did was, uh, Mad Max: Fury Road. Mm-hmm. But other than that, our most popular episode episodes episodes were episode six, which was Dirty Dancing, where we See, had. I was um,
0: I was going to mention my, the Dirty Dancing episode as a favorite, but I was too stuck in my
1: favorite episode from twenty twenty three. Oh, okay. I See, I did my favorite episode of all. Mm. Yeah, so episode six was Dirty Dancing. Um, if you haven't listened to that one, we had a special guest on, um, a colleague of ours, Lisa Batisfor. She um, runs uh, an organization called Reproductive Transparency Now. Which kind of educates people about the dangers of uh, crisis pregnancy centers um, and obviously a big topic in the movie dirty dancing in spite of all the uh titular dirty dancing and romance is abortion Mm -hmm. um and then after that was our titanic episode um and then our uh which was episode 25 and then episode 19 which was the princess bride my favorite movie of all time
0: wonderful i remember recording that one
1: yeah that was a good one so yeah if you haven't listened to those three episodes, I mean, those are the most popular. So give them, check them out <laughs> if you haven't. Yeah, least popular. <laughs> do what the popular kids are doing. <laughs> our least popular, our two least popular episodes, I won't count our most recent one. Um, One was episode 20, which was Moonstruck. I'm like, did people just not watch the movie or just, I don't know. And then the other one was... Which makes my heart very sad. It's The Lost Boys episode 44.
0: That's interesting.
1: yeah, that's one of, another one of my favorite movies of all time. but so yeah, if you have if you have seen either of those movies, you know, go check out go check out episode 44 or episode 20 because <laughs> especially episode 44 because you can just hear me gush about uh latent homosexuality and vampirism. <laughs> Well, especially now because there's a musical in the works. They're going to put uh, Lost Boys on Broadway, and
0: I guess Patrick Wilson is attached, so
1: I'm in. Oh, yeah. I'm down with that. So, also, we should have entered this a while ago. Um, In case you haven't guessed, we are just doing a club chat today. Um, We just kind of wanted to reflect and talk about our favorite movies from 2023 and what we're looking forward to in film in 2024
0: mm-hmm. and there's plenty to talk about and plenty to get excited for um the first thing that tops my list is that the wga and sag aftra got what they wanted <laughs> um that's the number one thing for me uh from the past year of some cin- of cinema culture um huge so so exciting to know that that they will be getting appropriately compensated um for the work that they do
1: yeah, and one of the, um, the bits of that whole, like, strike contract-regan negotiation um, that stuck out to me that was not, like, money or compensation-related was um, on the SAG in uh, the requirement of intimacy coordinators on set. Oh yeah. Um, which our listeners may or may not be familiar with what an intimate intimacy coordinator is or what they do um it's something i only learned about uh maybe five or six years ago uh a friend of a friend is an intimacy coordinator works in theater primarily but basically and you know kate you can expand on my definition of it an intimacy coordinator is someone on set who helps um actors who are shooting you know romantic or intimate scenes that require nudity or don't necessarily kind of make sure that they feel safe make sure someone's there to like guide them and direct them in a more specialized way than maybe just like a regular director would but is primarily there for their safety Mm -hmm. and yeah um, they make sure
0: sure everyone's nice and comfortable with what's going on and i think they also work on the more violent side of intimacy scenes too
1: yeah i yeah i think that's right and i actually i was reading a book um um so it's a book called shipwrecked by the author olivia dade and it's the third book in a series it's a romance novel it throws a lot of shade at game of thrones which is really fun um but part of it uh it's about two actors who are falling in love on set but part of it is about uh them working with an intimacy coordinator and and she kind of goes into detail about it so it's very interesting Mm. who says you can't learn things from romance novels (laughs) not i not me um so yeah uh how do you want to kick this off starting our discussion of 2023 movies do you want to go favorites
0: well so i think it's really it it, to to make the the playing field fair i think we gotta give our our listeners a little bit of context so um we both love movies they know that yes Uh, kate as as kate mckinnon would say my favorite snl bit we notice um (laughs) so but i am like almost obsessive over trying to gobble up as much new content as I can in a year Uh, Mm -hmm. to the point that I keep a handwritten list in the back of my agenda planner of the movies that I've seen for the first time ever in a year. And I always try to hit 100. So I have never failed. um, It it is touch and go some years. One year I had to watch, uh, it was the Andy Samberg and Kit Harrington movie, speaking of, of Game of Thrones. Oh, Seven The days Tennis of One.
1: Time. Yeah. Tennis
0: One. It's like 45 minutes long. It's really not that long. It's more like a short film or a TV special. But I counted it because I was down to the wire. Um, oh, so yeah. this year was a lot easier. I was still down to the wire. I still watched my last movie on New Year's Eve um, in the afternoon before going out that night. Uh, but it was very much because I wanted to just pick the absolute right movie um to do that with because I always like to start with a movie and I always like to end with a movie um that I think is going to make some some good sense. Um with the exception of Seven Days in Hell. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's why when we do this roundup of favorite movies we saw in 2023, I have a very long list because I just went through the handwritten list today and and highlighted which ones I would want to mention. Um, not everyone does that. Letterbox is making it a little bit cooler, but like I just I handwrite mine. I don't want the internet to know.
1: Yeah, I I feel that. I I love a handwritten journal. I think I'm going to do that for books this year. Like I still want to keep on like my good reads but Mm -hmm. i think i'm going to do a handwritten one too but to that end you know contextually if we're adding more context and i've said this before i'm a lazy movie watcher and i watch way less movies than kate does um i don't go to the theater a whole lot especially in the year of our lord 2023 2024 because now thanks to the rona we sometimes have the options of just streaming new shit from our mm-hmm. homes, and that's something that I love. <laughs> so and that's how I watch the holdovers on New Year's
0: Eve. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bridget, for your peacock subscription <laughs>
1: <laughs> um So yeah, I will probably have way less movies to mention um I might, I think you should take the lead. I have a list of my top three movies that I saw in 2023 that were new movies, not new to me, but new movies. And then I have movies I still want to see. So I which I think you've probably seen all of them, except for maybe one or two. Yeah. So I've maybe got I'll just
0: teen movies written in my 2023 <laughs> releases that I liked list. <laughs> which that's the thing. I liked all of them. These are just the ones that I want to call out. So I will mention that um, one of the standout movies that I didn't know about going into the year that I ended up loving was Mm -hmm. a movie called Bottoms, which Mm -hmm. is Ayo Edabiri and um, Rachel Sinnott playing two lesbians in high school
1: who star a fight club to get closer to their crushes. That seemed like a good movie. I kept getting ads for that on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Absolutely
0: hilarious, you, Katie. It's a movie made for you.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one of those movies. I guess I should have made a category that was like, I wasn't trying to see it, but if somebody turned it on, I wouldn't like leave. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. No. It's
1: it's one that I went
0: to a theater to see with a friend because we just thought it looked good, and I had a Alamo subscription at the time, and I'm getting my Alamo subscription back, but um. Yeah, I went to go see it and just absolutely loved it. Um, very, very, very funny. So there was that one. Um, there's a, Keep in mind, I also do the film festival every year. So a lot of the 2023 releases, I get to see a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like May, December, I know we've talked about on the podcast. Uh, so we don't need to go into that one as much.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also- that's, that's
0: on my mm-hmm. I still want to see list. And, and I know that's streaming. That one. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the People's Joker. We've talked about that one. That's exciting. We just found out The People's Joker is getting an April release in 2024.
1: I just saw that today too. And I was mm-hmm. like, yay. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So I'm going to go see it again, because I'm really curious as to what they had to do to fix it to get it ready. So I'm, I'll am i be seeing it again in 2024. I'm sorry, I'm breaching over to the what we want to see in 2024. list.
1: Already. That's um, okay, but I will probably go with you. So let me know.
0: Yes, we'll we'll do. Um some other ones that like I wasn't so sure but I just really I, they've stuck with me, um Blackberry, which is the story of the Blackberry as it came into power and like the the standout performance, it's Jay, uh well, so the big performance that's getting all the buzz for it is Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
1: Good. He, he deserves plays- that.
0: Yeah, and he was incredible in it. Um, He plays the investor who's not a tech guy, but knows a good thing when he sees it. And so he decides to uh, invest in this company with their janky little phone. And pretty much pushes them to the edge until he realizes what he's done and he's made a huge mistake. So he's really, really good. He also um his performance is great. And then Jay Baruchel, who I think most famous thing is he did the voice in Imagine Dragon or er, um, in uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Train.
1: Imagine dragons.
0: Imagine dragons. He does the voice for Imagine dragons. No, um, he was in like She's Out of My League. This is the end sorcerer's apprentice there's a whole bunch of movies he's been in, but he plays the founder of blackberry um but yeah it's uh that was one of those like we've got this trend of movies coming out where it's like remember this thing that no one does anymore or has anymore here's the story about it so like they did a movie about beanie babies which i still have to see um they did a movie about uh i think they've got one coming up about the rubik's cube i could be wrong they've got the movie tetris that's on apple still haven't seen mm-hmm. it um, this fits right in that category, but it's the one I think really just sort of stuck because it is such a ridiculous story.
1: Yeah, that was a big trend this year was a lot of those like, this is how this thing or this is the history of this thing that is like an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I remember Tetris, which I didn't see, but I thought it looked cool and like Air, the story oh, yeah. about like yeah. Air Jordans.
0: And I even going back, I mean, no one really liked it very much from what I could tell, but um, I think it was David O. Russell who made the movie Joy, which was about the woman who made the Wonder Mop, and it had Jennifer Lawrence in it right before she retired from acting for a short time. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, I do remember that movie. Mm-hmm. So
0: another another interesting one. And then even um, Netflix did a story on Madam Walker with, I believe, Octavia Spencer, um, that mm-hmm. was the story of the first female uh millionaire in the country. Mm-hmm. So I've got those on my list. There are other ones. I mean, I could just like random like just shoot them off. Cocaine Bear was stupid but funny. Past <laughs> lives was heartbreaking. Uh there's a French film called The Taste of Things, which will probably be up for an Oscar this year. Go see it. It's beautiful. Um, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Uh fuck the production the production team that like made all those people stay and work the hours they did to get that movie out the door but also yeah movie was incredible oppenheimer and barbie a lot to handle in one day but both great movies um i just saw poor things which was very much toward the top of my
1: list for the year it is strangely a feel-good film for the holidays Mm -hmm. wait i have two things i want to say about that movie Mm -hmm. having not seen it so one thing i saw this tweet and i guess this is a psa that i'm passing on to others uh, I was this girl tweeted. No one told me not to see Poor Things with my dad. Yeah, don't go see Poor Things with your parents. Don't go see Saltburn with your parents.
0: Yeah, this is a I... PSA from me to you. Watch the holdovers instead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't seen Poor Things. I don't know if I will see it. Um, I was curious enough about it from the trailers to kind of like read about it and see what was going on, and. It sounds like a very feminist film in a lot of ways, but I think um, my skepticism comes from like, I'm always skeptical about like, quote, finger feminist films that are not written by women. Mm. Mm -hmm. Written or directed by women. Um, So what do you think after being the person in the group that has seen it?
0: Yeah, I I can understand that. Um, But I know also that I've read some beautiful coming of age books about boys that have been written by women. Okay, So I've got to give it some, you know, some balance there. The other thing is that Emma Stone was extremely instrumental in the way that film turned out. She had a huge part in determining what Bella was going to do, what she was going to say, how it was going to look. And I think that that helps too, that it wasn't just, here's the script, read the lines and be a good little actress. It was very, Mm -hmm. she's worked with Yorgos Lanthimos before she's worked with Tony McNamara before they know her, they've got a good partnership. Um, You know, so I, I didn't, I can understand the hesitance, but I think it also just, it's just, it's a different kind of coming of age story that's really dark and twisted in a lot of ways, and the fact that it doesn't pass the Bestel test is actually kind of a point. Actually, I think it does because she does have a female, couple female friends at some point. But yeah, I I really really appreciate it. I liked it a lot. Okay, but then again, someone else pointed out to me about the absurdity of how um, Barbie, which does deserve a lot of attention and is a feminist film, is getting more attention for its male co star than for pretty much anything else right now in the awards circuit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is that is ironic. Not undeserved, but... <laughs> not undeserved and not unexpected, but yeah,
0: ironic. Did you have more? I Yeah, of course I have more. No, I only have uh, two more that I want to mention. One was yeah. a small film with Julie Louis-Dreyfus. And Tobias Menzies called You Hurt My Feelings came out middle of this year. It's nice to watch a film where it's about a couple that's a little bit older in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not about them being old. It's just this is something that's going on in their life. It's a woman who's a writer and she lets her husband read her newest book. And he confides to a friend that he didn't like it as much as her other ones. And she overhears him. And it's how their life mm. spirals after that happens. That's interesting,
1: especially mm-hmm. as a writer
0: yeah especially as a writer and as someone who has relationships with people who are also creatives yeah yeah it's something that stuck with me
1: for a little bit and then
0: finally and i technically i didn't watch it in 2023 i just saw it last night but i saw the color purple
1: okay that's that that one is on the list of movies i want to see i've never seen the original movie but i know this one is based on like is more based on like the broadway musical and i finally saw the trailer for it and i was like Damn, this looks great. It's beautiful. I highly recommend seeing it in a movie theater. Yeah, I I would agree with that. You know, even though I just said like, man, I really love to be at home watching movies. (laughs) As somebody who is a fan of like Broadway a little bit and has seen a handful of musicals and so, that energy from like the stage hard to capture in film. Mm-hmm. And It's even harder if you're not necessarily watching it like in that sort of dark secluded film or sorry, mm-hmm. theater setting.
0: Yeah, my biggest thing because I never saw the musical on a stage. So my biggest thing walking out of the theater was how did they possibly do all of that on a stage? And I know that they could. It's just, you know, the, for my first first thought was, how do you how does that look in a the theater yeah. i have seen the original 1985 color purple i thought that the way they chose to tell the story for the musical is much more abbreviated it's about the same length as the 1985 film but because of the musical numbers it takes a little bit more mm-hmm. to tell some of those parts but i think that that actually it does it a service i really like the adaptation of the story in that way
1: nice yeah that's definitely one i want to see my favorites from 2023 I I just did three. I mm-hmm. I picked my top three, and again, these are movies that came out in twenty twenty three. I said the Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. I had that on my list, but I knew you were going to say that one. So I <laughs> <off>. We can <laughs> both say it. Um, I mean, obviously, Kate and I both love this movie because we close. We both play D anD D. Um, I've never seen the horrendous adaptation like, that of D&D that came from the 90s. I've seen clips from it. It so does not hit the mark. Or this adaptation came out at the time it was supposed to come out because I don't think that a movie like this could have come out earlier and people would have enjoyed it or understood what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, we went to go see it with a bunch of members from our D&D group and we were all like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, that's, oh, and that's like when you do this in the game and the way it's it was acted the way the script was written it felt like a real dnd session the fact there's a just... character that's called jarnathan which is just clearly a dm struggling <laughs> to come up with a name for somebody <laughs> yeah or like you can tell certain things are sort of like based on dice rolls like it doesn't feel like we just told a fantasy story and called it D. you know what i mean mm-hmm. which is kind of more or less what the original film was doing um not that that it that that was its only problem. My other mention was Barbie, of course. Mm -hmm. Fucking amazing. And we did an episode on that. So I'll not gush again. You guys can go listen to that episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And my third movie of the year was a movie that came out on Amazon Prime called Red, White and Royal Blue. Oh, I forgot about
0: that one.
1: Did you watch that? No, because I've never read the book. Oh, okay. I mean, you you don't necessarily need to, but the book is fantastic too. So yeah, as Kate mentioned, uh, Red White and Royal Blue is a movie adapted from a novel of the same name by an author called Casey McQuiston. It is a romance, not a queer romance novel that sort of takes place in a slightly alternate universe where the Prince of England and the son of America's first female president are initially bitter enemies and then do my favorite thing, which is become lovers (laughs) (laughs) and it's a very sweet amazing romantic comedy there are a lot of changes from the book but I I was pretty far separated from when I read the book to when I watched the movie that I didn't notice so many of the changes that it interrupted my enjoyment of the movie and like the changes sort of made sense it was things like side characters didn't necessarily get as much screen time as they did book time stuff Mm -hmm. like that but it's just such a good movie the way it's i'm trying not to like just absolutely gush the way it handled a romance between two men like i think it's moving us forward when it comes to like queer romantic comedies like i hope that this is like a door opening to those movies becoming more popular to us seeing more queer characters you know fall in love and bang on screen like the way they do the sex scenes is just like brilliant and so different than the way like other films with like queer relationships in them have done them it's just it's really good there's a lot of discourse you can read online about like what they do so well um mm-hmm. and the actors are amazing. Oh my god, the two leads, they have so much chemistry and they're just so cute to watch together. So yeah, you should see it. We can we can always watch it together if you want. I'll let you borrow my book. Everything's yeah, amazing. <laughs> I, I think one of the
0: things I was most impressed by that is that honestly, I had, I had heard the title Red, Red, White, and Royal Blue before, but I had no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. And honestly, until like the po- the poster came out and it was the two knees that were like right next to each other, I was like, Oh. It's a gay romance. I didn't know that. But it never felt all all respect to the the cast of bros and the work that they did, but honestly like that movie was made very loudly as we're going to make the first gay rom-com. And it wasn't that it turned me off of it. It was just I felt like I didn't need to see it because I knew what it was going to be already. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that red, white and royal blue and in some other movies, too. There's one Daniel Levy put together a movie called. Uh, oh, God, what is it called? It's coming out on Netflix this weekend. Good grief. Good grief. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Dan Levy put together a movie called Good Grief and that one looks beautiful and I will be watching that one. There's um, All Us Perfect str- or All of Us Strangers with um, Hot Priest and Paul Mescal. <laughs> <laughs> Mescal. sorry, I just learned his last name to pronounce Meskel. Um, <laughs> You know, that are, you know, dramas that are based off of gay relationships, but not because they're gay relationships. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing more content. Like you said, it's a romance and it just happens to be two men. It's not being yelled and screamed from the rooftop says, this is
1: a romance about a whole bunch of gay men. Yeah. And like part of the plot is like these two men exploring their sexuality. It's like, I don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. but it's like one of them is is not just gay but bisexual and sort of figuring that out one of them is like not out to their family mm-hmm. and also they're two public public figures so that's weird to navigate and like I've also read other um you know royalty falls in love with an American you know books and movies like you know Hallmark loves that shit hmm And it also, you know, they're also having the same problems that those straight couples are having. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, one's an American and the other one's not. And, you know, just like, oh, I don't know, in real life, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Prince Harry Mm -hmm. and Meghan Markle. Yeah, I was going to say, where have we seen this before? (laughs) Yeah, like navigating, you know, those issues of having like a public relationship and also you know, being queer, because like, as a progressive as we are, you know, and how we're sort of becoming more desensitized to the like, oh, that person's gay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we still gawk a little when yeah. someone famous comes out of the closet. So yeah, those were my three. And one thing I do want to share, I wrote this in my notes is my 2023 plot twist. Mm. I only saw one Marvel movie this year.
0: Is that the plot With- twist?
1: Yeah that <laughs> I only saw one.
0: I thought you because... were going to say that that, that that Marvel movie you'd seen had the best plot twist.
1: No, 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 no. Plot twist of my life, of my movie watching life was the fact that there was like three Marvel movies that came out this year plus like a handful of shows and I watched one of them. And it was Ant Man, Quantum Mania. Thought it was and see, great, and and see that's such a plot twist too
0: because we were riding high. I mean, we t- we tweeted about going to see Creed Three together because we were just going for
1: Jonathan Majors, and that is yet another huge plot twist. Huge plot twist, which you know, and if you guys aren't uh, catching up or caught up, that kind of sort of came to a close a little bit, you know, within the last few weeks of 2023 where Jonathan Majors was like convicted and he was ultimately fired from Disney and Marvel. So we won't be seeing him as King the Conqueror again or if we'll ever who knows if we'll see the character again if they're going to recast, you know. That you remains are to be about, seen. we talking about
0: uh Doctor Doom is the next big one.
1: Yeah, maybe like shifting focus to a different villain. This is my but- unpopular opinion, but I think Marvel needs to stop making movies for about eh, 7 years. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I mean, I'm glad they're shifting back to, hopefully, quality over quantity. But I think maybe we're seeing, like, the way that, like, a comic transfers to film where it's, like, in comics, and this is sort of secondhand experience knowledge I have because I'm not a huge comic reader, but obviously, you know, my partner is. And, like, the fact that in comics, you know, characters get rebooted and, like, refreshed and, you know, reimagined all the time. And they're just sort of, like, evergreen within their stories. Whereas, like, movie watchers are maybe more used to, like, following a character through the story arc. At least this is something I've noticed with me. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, and maybe it's also, like, the romance novel reader in me. Or, like, the fantasy novel reader in me. Where I'm, like, I'm I'm used to watching, like, a hero's journey, journey and getting, like, a happy ending. And... Like, I know it was very sad for me to see, like, Iron Man's ending after Endgame. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that, like, you know, I've watched Iron Man and loved him since 2008. I've seen him rise and fall and rise again. And then to know that he died in the end is, like, very disheartening. But, you know, his story did have a conclusion, whereas it doesn't necessarily feel like other character stories are having conclusions like they're sort of just getting stretched out further and further like I would say Thor is one of those
0: yeah Thor I feel like got a fresh breath of air put into it because Taika Waititi did Thor Ragnarok and yeah for then sure Then came back for love and thunder and whatever magic was put into the first Waititi Thor movie was left out of this one
1: <laughs> with the exception
0: <laughs> of christian bale's performance but christian bale was acting in a completely different movie than absolutely everyone
1: else (laughs) but yeah i like to circle back to my like original point is i think like as movie watchers we're used to watching like an arc Mm -hmm. like a hero's journey arc and seeing it resolved and like that's not necessarily what is happening with marvel Mm -hmm. like everyone's just sort of going on and on and on and on and they're mixing new characters with old characters so then we're not seeing like the new characters enough and the old characters feel like tired it's just yeah it needs they need a minute but mm-hmm. yeah i only saw ant-man quantum media i thought it was great like i loved it i know the last <laughs> i mean basically all the marvel movies now are getting lackluster reviews and i think that's a lot of it is has to do with what everyone has sort of deemed as superhero movie fatigue. I think so. But, I think you're right. But it is also that like, yeah, they went for quantity over quality.
0: Oh, I mean, I've heard the Marvels is great, but my biggest hang up on going to see it was I hadn't watched Miss Marvel yet. It, it, for me, I think where I'm coming, it's not even superhero fatigue. It's It feels like everything relies on everything that came before it. So you can't miss any mm-hmm. of the series that have come out already. And who has time for all of that when there's so much other content that I want to watch? But then it also feels like at the end of every single movie, it's just another ad for the next one.
1: Yeah. I kind of hate that too. Like, or it's like that. Plus it's like, here's a cameo of a random ass character that nobody's going to know unless they like read one issue Mm -hmm. of a comic that came out 20 years ago.
0: Exactly. Um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah. Eternals did it with uh, Harry Styles at the very end. Uh, for Love and Thunder, did it with Brett Goldstein showing up as Hercules at the end. No clue when that movie's going to be coming out. Um,
1: <laughs> Let even, me just say you know, though, mm-hmm. the Harry Styles thing I think is re- less about that character and more about like, look, we've got Harry Styles That's in the MCU now. You know,
0: I think you're right. I think because yeah, I, I I can definitely see that. But I mean, like, even like, so I only saw if we want to count Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse as a Marvel movie, which it kind of sort of is, then mm-hmm. I saw, because I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, that one even was supposed to be the farewell to that group. And in the end, they come up with Peter Quill will return. And I'm just like, but I thought this was the end. Like, it, right? it's like spending all the time being like, finally, I'm at the end of the book series. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm gonna write another one. Like. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and that's the other thing. I was going to say, yeah, I guess if you count Across the Spider-Verse, I saw two movies, Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. But yeah, and like, I know with Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, that first one was really what brought on my MCU obsession. But now I'm like, I have my own personal feelings about Chris Pratt. So I'm like, I don't even necessarily want to see more Guardians of the Galaxy in spite of my love for all the other characters. Because I'm just like, I don't want to watch Chris Pratt in more movies because I also hate Star Lord now. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Also side note, Ms. Marvel was great. I need, to, yeah. I need
0: to watch that. I need to watch that. I need to watch um uh, she Hulk. I need to watch
1: the second season of Loki. Yeah, I haven't watched the second season of Loki, but I know everything that happens. So that's like that's the other thing. If I if I may go on another tangent for a moment, sure. Just like shows and content in general, it's like, oh yeah, Loki. I I want to watch that. I love the first season. Like I love Tom Hiddleston. I love the character. I want to see how everything ends up. But it's like because we're in this day and the age of like everything comes out so fast. It's like if you're not watching it while it's happening the enjoyment goes down because it's like one you can't really be a part of the kind of fast paced social media conversation that happens around it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. two it's like you'll definitely already know what happens so you don't even need to watch the show anymore
0: i can totally relate yeah and and it is like you see series that are coming out or even movies too um if we want to stay in thing with the podcast that it's like <laughs> okay do i want to see this the minute it comes out because i'm worried it'll be spoiled for me or is this going to be something that's Pretty innocuous, so it's pretty safe. So, for example, when well, for a while there, uh, Succession, Barry, and Yellow Jackets were all on in the same weekend. So my TV, my TV schedule was packed. And those Mm -hmm. uh, Yellow Jackets, towards the end, not so much, but Succession and Barry, it was their final seasons, and I knew if I wasn't watching it the night it aired, I would get spoiled. Yeah. Um, So I would Sunday night appointment TV like HBO designed it
1: <laughs> uh mm-hmm. i would be
0: in front of my television on sunday nights um same thing with white lotus at the end of of 2022 as, as well but um yes yeah, so in in movies yeah it, it is one of those things where it's like uh if i don't go to see guardians of the galaxy 3 opening weekend i'm gonna probably find out who dies like within three days of the movie released, yeah. and i don't want to know that but then there's times that it's like well I don't really care if anyone spoils Ant-Man Quantumania for me, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not even so much like spoilers that bothers me. I guess it's just like, I don't know, it feels like a chore to maybe sit down and watch like five, six, seven, eight hours of like a television series mm-hmm. when I just want to like tick it off my to-do list and I can just do that quickly by, you know, looking through Tumblr and getting the highlights. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But maybe that's part of the fatigue. It might be. Anyways, let's move it along. So I have to finish out, you know, 2020 before we slip into 2024 anticipation. I have my little list of movies I haven't seen but still want to see. Mm-hmm. And I think you might be able to comment on some of those, if not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I promise no spoilers. So we already said The Color Purple in May, December. Um, the Iron Claws on there which you invited me to go see with you on New Year's Day. And I declined because I chose to instead watch that when I could cry at home on mm, my couch. Mm-hmm. American Fiction. That's on my list too. Which I think we have a unspecified date to watch together at some point. Mm-hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's, which was like another mm-hmm. streaming one that came out. Yeah, I think that's um, on the right now. Yeah, I want to see that one. I'm a fan of the games, and the trailer looked great. Um, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, yeah. I missed that one this year, too. That was one I was really excited about, and we just ended up not going to see any horror movies in theaters this year. Mm. Um, Horror movies are one of those where I much rather watch them at home because
0: I have this theory that if it's on a small enough screen, it can't hurt me as bad. (laughs) i like so, that like, this this past year i watched x and pearl which are the they're you know oh yeah i need to see those and maxine is supposed to come out in the new year which i'm sorry i'm already i'm already jumping into the next conversation topic but that one i'll probably go see in movie theater just because i saw the other two and i loved them
1: yeah i might say this wrong and you can correct me chevalier oh yeah chevalier yeah um I, i'm bad at french but yeah, that was one I wanted to see. I didn't get to see. And then finally Renfield. I didn't see Renfield either. Yeah, I was excited for that one. And that's another... It's it's the lazy movie watcher in me.
0: You know, no, Renfield was weird. They dropped it for maybe two weeks in theaters and then they pulled it and put it on streaming. So it's it's mm-hmm. not necessarily your lazy movie viewer. It's that you never know how long something's going to be around in a movie theater to see. That's
1: true. But yeah, shall we look... Af- um, so we need to... Wrap up soon, I know, but do you want to look ahead to 2024 and what we're excited yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's
0: kind of hard to tell because the strike put a lot of things on ice. Um, but they are getting back to work on things. Um, someone uploaded like the biggest studio releases and expected releases for the year, and honestly, that that didn't bode very well. There were only about five or six movies in the list that I was like, "Oh, absolutely, I want to see that." But there are a couple other projects that I've started getting wind of. So one that's coming out pretty soon is a book called a movie called The Book of Clarence, which is yes, by that's Samuel. at the top of my list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So James Samuel, for those who don't know, he did a movie called The Harder They Fall. You can watch it on Netflix. It's so influential for my writing project that I've been working on for the last few years. Um, it's a Black Western. Um, and it's mm-hmm. so, so good. And so I have full faith that James Samuel can do it again. The Book of Clarence is his take on uh, the story of Jesus very similar, because I love The Life of Brian. That's my favorite Monty Python movie. So it feels similar mm-hmm. in that, where it's just, it's a normal, you know, average dude in that that time period, in that environment, who sees the Jesus thing happening and takes advantage of it. And of course it breaks badly. But it's got Lakeith Stanfield in it. Um, James McAvoy, I believe, is playing. Um, Pilot. <laughs> Pilot. And then I just saw the trailer before the, look, the Color Purple. And the person I was with, we were both shocked to see Benedict Cumberbatch is also in it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, he's not in the trailer. Is he in the trailer?
0: We didn't Did see him in him? the trailer, but we saw his name in the credits.
1: Yeah, I was like, yeah. I think I saw his name in the credits. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that's because we're friends and we talk all the time. But I'm obsessed with this movie already, and like, I've been telling people, like, have you heard of this movie? Watch the trailer. Like, so if you haven't seen the trailer yet, please go watch it. Yeah, um, because it looks amazing. Um, and I also love that. Yeah, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is basically playing this guy who wants to become a grifter because it feels so relevant to like nowadays of like televangelists, people that use religion to become famous and make money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very excited to see where this where this goes. So yeah. yeah, so that's on my list. Um, in February, around Valentine's Day, we get Lisa Frankenstein. That was the next one on my list. <laughs> Um, any, two two. any movie that uses Kim Petras's uh, Halloween themed trance album or dance album, uh, which is great, you should go check it out. It's called "Turn Off the Lights." Any any movie that's going to use a track from that for their promo has me. So I'm I'm very excited for that.
1: And I know Diablo Cody wrote it, mm-hmm. which I really like the movie Juno. I haven't seen Young Adult, but I did not oh. love Jennifer's Body, and I know I'm sort of in a small group of horror fans that one yeah you are i would have thought you liked that one yeah young adult was um different
0: it was i would say that it 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 leaned more into the drama side than the comedy.
1: that makes sense based on like all the trailers i saw for it but yeah no i'm i am excited for lisa frankenstein
0: so i've got that one on my list and then you know some of the big blockbusters that are coming out dune
1: part two um <laughs> supposed okay, to we're come like, out last year we but- we were both list- looking at the same. we looking at the same list. Okay. And Mad Max I have, Furiosa. I have mm-hmm. on Dune 2 next to my list, I have Dune 2 question mark, question mark, question mark. Because I'm kind of like, am I excited for this or do I just want to see it to like complete the series? I did like the first one. Furiosa was on my list too.
0: And really, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It doesn't. 2023 was so hyped up because we knew we were getting barbie and oppenheimer over the summer and for me like i can't really think of any other movies right now that i'm like oh yeah i know that's coming oh I'm for there is one i don't know if it technically came out this year or if it came out in 2024 or 23 but there's a movie coming out um called origin which is based off of isabella wilkerson's book uh, cast the origin of our discontents that's a mm-hmm. whole book that's a thesis uh, that connects uh the indian caste system to the american race system to uh germany's pogroms and the holocaust
1: so i have seen the trailer for that okay i know what you're mm-hmm. about yeah
0: so the book is nonfiction. eva duvernay directs it so i'm already in um uh, mm-hmm. but they, they made a movie that's essentially a uh the story of the author writing that book uh, so it's a combination, it looks like, of the theories in the book as well as what the author was going through while she was writing it.
1: Interesting. I also, I was like, as you were describing that, I was like, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, if you were like, watch a movie about this, I'd be like, boring. And, but if you were like, read a book about this, I'd be like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I saw, who, who stars in that? Anjou uh, Ellis thank you yeah okay and I was john like, bernthal plays her husband john bernthal yeah because i saw it on john bernthal's instagram and i was like hey ma'am mm-hmm. um i was like oh it's kind of nice to watch him not play like someone who's fucked up <laughs> like he looks sweet in the trailer i don't know i have uh on my list also i have like four additional movies two of them have question marks next to them similar to dune uh but one of them that doesn't have question mark is Deadpool 3. Oh damn, we are getting that this year, aren't we? Yeah. No tra- no trailers yet. A couple set photos have leaked, no official title. And um, they they had the whole promo with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can you can follow Dogpool on Instagram now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for that as a Deadpool fan. So that and then another one, which I feel like we've maybe talked about and should be on your list. And if it's not You should go watch the trailer for it when we're done. It's called The American Society of Magical Negroes.
0: Yes, I saw that trailer before The Color Purple as well.
1: It looks so good. I feel like it's not being hyped a lot yet. I hope there's going to be more hype for it when it comes out, which I think is March. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll start to see a little bit more of it, but it looks very good. It's got a stacked cast in it. It looks like, you know, kind of a funny... Kingsman style satire movie, and then so the last two on my list that I have question marks next to uh, is Joker colon fallait doit du Falle-Dou, again fallait du fallait du. You think mm-hmm. I I know how to say that as a Fallout Boy fan? I put question marks next to it because I still have not seen the the first uh Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Okay. Also, my interest mostly is Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so i can tell you what what's fascinating about that one is that
0: i did see the first joker i needed a drink afterward so bad um because <laughs> it, it's it's a movie um i was not a fan <laughs> it's a of movie. <laughs> it I, I i didn't like it all that much quite honestly um but the folia do what's fascinating about the way that the decisions they made it's going to be a musical yes that too I'm fascinated by that because it's like they heard, they saw who the original audience for the Joker was and what they loved. And they said, well, great, we're not going to do any of that in the next one. Because the the original Joker is very masculine forward. It's very much... Mm -hmm. Incel, the white male story. rage
1: white male rage yeah <laughs> have you
0: seen that as yes. skit? yeah i love <laughs> about the Joker. so much so it's very much <laughs> that so now the night the follow-up is going to be a musical starring a massive pop star who is a mm-hmm. feminist icon in some ways
1: yeah whose whose fans are the gays and the girlies
0: And so they're making the movie for the gays and the girlies now. And I'm very excited to see what comes of that. I've seen some photos. They look
1: good. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. They got me. Um, But, you know, question marks. And the other final movie that I am anticipating, but I have question marks because we don't know a lot about it other than like there are some returning actors and it's going to be animated, is the Lord of the Rings film. The War of the Rohirrim.
0: I had no idea we we're getting another Lord of the Rings film.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be animated. Miranda Otto will be back as Aowen. So I'm, I'm guessing that it's taking place in the Peter Jackson sort of universe of Lord of the Rings. I watched all those movies. Love the original trilogy. Hobbit was fine. I liked Rings of Power, even though technically we've sort of established that that takes place in its own weird sort of fan fiction esque world. But I still liked that. So yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. My right. anticipation may increase or dwindle based on you know the more we find out about the movie. But yeah, but that's not coming out until like December of yeah. this year. So okay, so yeah, yeah, I do want to add two more.
0: Um, they're dumb, but I'm gonna have fun watching them. Okay. Uh, We've got Argyle coming out in February. Uh-huh. He's like a and that's what made me think of it. It's another Matthew Vaughn film. Mm. That has Henry um,
1: Cavill in it, right?
0: Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Dua Lipa, John Cena. Yeah.
1: Oh, that sounds fun. I haven't watched yeah. the trailer for this yet. Oh,
0: my goodness. I thought you had... Oh, no wonder you're not excited about this. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> a um, romance action writer who is kind of stuck in what she's going to do for the next book. She has no idea where the series is going and ends up in the middle of an action movie, essentially, Uh, oh shit yeah this doesn't realize what she's been writing is real
1: yeah oh my god okay this does sound like me all right i'll have to go watch this trailer when we get done Mm -hmm. so that one's on the list and then fall guy fall guy with um with ryan Ryan gosling yeah yeah i was reading about that one earlier because i saw it on a list of anticipated movies but i haven't watched a trailer for it so i have no idea what's going on
0: that one's another one where it's going to be dumb but it's going to be fun
1: yeah that's like another one of the like that's a summer blockbuster that's coming out right yes.
0: yeah I yeah So or, or early, yeah probably may or
1: such yeah yeah maybe ryan gosling will sort of be replacing tom cruise as the like this is our blockbuster action star because i've never liked tom cruise <laughs> i think it's more um, than one person to replace tom cruise is that quite honestly yeah Ugh, that could be a whole episode.
0: That is uh, definitely an episode we can do in the future. We do have plans. Uh, we will be bringing you an episode, not every week, but most weeks of 2024. So if any of those movies sound interesting to you and you want us to do an episode on them after they come out, we usually wait a couple of weeks to make sure we don't give any spoilers. But yeah, we're happy to to do an episode. Um, we also take requests. So if there's something you want to hear us talk about, uh, make sure you follow us at SP cinema club on Instagram.
1: And if you liked our episode from a couple of weeks back with Angela, uh, her and I have already planned our her next guest episode. <laughs> Fantastic. I had no idea. This is me. Yeah. About this. I'm
0: loving it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, it's been, it's been a wonderful 50 episodes. Thanks everyone who is tuned in. We're just, you know, so happy that you want to listen to us yap about movies and other things. Yeah. Um, We really appreciate it. And we'll
1: see you for the next 50. And have a great new year, 2024. Bye. Bye.